Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that can change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Today, I come to you from the living room of my sumptuous apartment here in beautiful Las Vegas, known to some as the hottest city in America. And we are going to have a very interesting conversation about things like, uh, well, there's a bit about systems, but it's really about mastering the creative strategic balance to achieve business goals particularly for entrepreneurs, particularly for those who have multiple streams of revenue, particularly for creatives. These are very important things. And especially when you are, whether by choice or by necessity, both the administrator and the creator in your business and being able to bounce back and forth between those two roles. Now, myself, this is something I'm always looking for more information on because I find that I sometimes need to make shifts in my thinking and shifts in how my brain is functioning at that moment to meet a certain task. Also juggling a lot of balls, but there's nothing new here. But what's going to be new is what you're going to discover today. And to share with us on that, we have Michelle Zach. She's the owner and designer of Four Tabs Design, which is a web design studio specializing in strategic Spotify, excuse me, Shopify website design, I was listening to my playlist earlier, for artists and creatives looking to grow and scale their businesses through e-commerce. She helps her clients increase conversions and streamline business processes through Shopify web design, website management, and e-commerce consulting. And the creatives she works with can expect to sell more products, diversify their revenue streams, and optimize their back-end business processes. As a result, clients not only increase their bottom line, but also become more confident in their businesses. So there's a bit about her journey. I'm going to have her tell us about that in just a moment. But let's just say that when she found web design as her passion, it transformed her life and gave her a renewed sense of purpose. I can't wait to fill in this blank. Michelle, Zach, come on in. The weather's fine. Hi, Adam. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, you're in a, now you're out in the field today yourself. Uh, didn't you tell me you were in a coffee shop? <laughs> I am. It is surprisingly quieter in a coffee shop than it is at home. I've got a six-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl and it's summer vacation. So you connect the dots. <laughs> I think I can draw a straight line from A to Z on this one, but I'll think about what you're saying. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, what's beautiful about our lifestyle is we have the flexibility to do these things. Uh, I mean, I understand that there are some professions and some industries where shift work, being there from nine to five Monday through Friday, or working a specific from and to and uh, being in a physical place to perform that is necessary. So in industrial things, uh, public service, uh, emergency response, and there are a number of others. Also with customer service, you expect when the customer service lines are open that somebody will respond promptly during your hours of business. That being said, for a lot of folks, your executives, your creatives, I mean, I myself can't just say that I'm going to be at my best from nine to five Monday through Friday, and I'm going to show up promptly, and I'm going to take my hour for lunch, I'm going to answer my phone on the third ring, I'm going to answer my phone to begin with, but uh, <laughs> everything in my life is scheduled. Uh, but just the fact we have this flexibility, and one thing I really love about what I do is it enables me to use a practice I developed myself. I will physically relocate three or four times a day with my laptop. And this is for two reasons. The kinetic energy of movement has a recharging function and being in different environments and different times gives me different vibes that allows me to access different areas of my brain. So when I'm in admin mode, when I'm in project management mode, when I'm in creative writing mode, when I'm in visionary mode, I can go to different places and be surrounded by the environment that will facilitate that. Absolutely. I try to do the same thing. And um, I usually just end up getting up off my desk and uh, walking to my refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Last year, I moved from a two bedroom apartment to a one bedroom apartment. The second bedroom was configured as an office, but I was never in it. I mean, it was fully set up as an office. I mean, there was an office bookshelf, there was an office file cabinet, there was an office desk, uh, but I wasn't using it. So I didn't really see the point. I really wanted to have something in my life that involved a lot less cleaning. As long as there's enough width to the place and place and places to climb so that my, when my cats get the zoomies, they can totally just rock it out. That's good enough for me. So we are going to have an interesting conversation. You gave me a lot of points in the green room that you want me to cover. So we'll get to most of those. And I think it's going to be a pretty wide ranging conversation. But before we do that, I read off part of your official bio. Uh, so impressive. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be in your presence. And this is my show. Uh, tell us a bit about your journey in your own words and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. And I promise pretty soon you're going to be doing all the talking. <laughs> well, my journey has been one huge zigzag. I started in the army as an engineer officer um, on active duty, and I was a psychology major in college. So I went from analyzing, you know, different parts of the brain and what they do to managing construction sites. Um, but that taught me a lot about project management. And I've always had like a creative side of me that I wanted to explore. I just didn't know how, especially in the army. So after I transitioned out of active duty, I was looking for different creative outlets that I can use as a new profession. And mm -hmm. I went everywhere from fashion to 
marketing. Um, and then I really found web design um, as the best mix of my creative passion and kind of my strategic project management strengths. Um, so that's probably why we're talking about the creative strategic connection today. And I'm, I'm so excited to kind of hone in on how my journey kind of contributes to what I'm about to say. Wow. I, and I can't wait to hear it. Uh, I personally, my journey took me from having a side hustle that uh, was involved in research and curriculum development for training and development firms. Then as a result of meeting somebody in a hallway right after I became a full-time entrepreneur, I got into the exciting world of web design, which if I ever were to have to go back to, I'd probably lobotomize myself with a butter knife without anesthesia. So you and I have slightly different views on it. Now, let me qualify that by saying that at the time, I didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't know what questions to ask. So I didn't know a whole lot about client management. And also the messaging and marketing I was putting out there was a combination of dealing with whatever referrals people foisted upon me and guilted me into taking, and then not properly managing things as I should, um, and filtering out and getting people to who were ready to understand the money-making side of it. I kept getting the clients who would spend three weeks fussing over whether or not uh, their website was using the correct hex code for purple, even though it was the, whole, the entire time. So that being said, uh, then I got into website conversion consulting when it was a separate discipline. Then I became a product launch hired gun. Then I basically just ran a podcast and made deals with my guests for three years. And that journey led me into working with people to launch their podcasts. And there is a web design component to it because every one of our launcher podcast fast clients gets a dedicated website for the podcast, but it's according to a formula that I created once using a specific theme for which we developed a custom set of export import files along with a document with Latin text in it that we use to create the content based on a formula. So is it also fair to say that in creating the Shopify stores and everything you've done, uh, that you have a specific process for your clients based on your experiences with it that helps to set them up for success and that their best bet is to listen to what Michelle says. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Shopify, I think, really makes it easy to get from point A to point B for both the business and the customer. You know, when you're dealing with e-commerce, there's really just the formula of landing on a page, browsing through what you like, adding to cart and checking out. So, um, you know, that is the formula. And then you find best practices along the way. And the things that you tailor are, you know, who your business is, what their values are, and who their customers are, and how they're trying to solve their problems. So it's, it's a little bit of both um, a formula and an art. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into that a little bit. Now you this now you've described um the imbalance in creativity and strategy and how that looks for a business owner. So I think it'd be a good place to start if you elaborate on that. Yeah, so you know, when there's imbalance in creativity and strategy, it kind of looks like two people rowing in a rowboat, but they're both paddling from the same side. So when that happens yeah. instead of moving in the direction that they want to go in, they're moving in circles. Yeah. So if, 
if you have too much creativity, you know, you're being innovative, you're connecting with your audience, but your hard work is most likely inefficient. You're getting bogged down with the day-to-day admin work and the details and things like communication, uh, accounting, operations, and logistics really just um, holds you back. And then when you are too focused on strategy, you've got all the mechanics down, you've got streamlined processes, you're a well-oiled machine, but you could be missing the big picture. You could be missing that connection with your audience and solving the wrong problem. So when you have balance and creativity and strategy, you get the best of both worlds so that you're doing the right things and you're doing things right. Yeah. So how would a creative person find a strategic solution? And in the converse, how does a strategic person find a creative solution? For a creative person to find a strategic solution, I think they first have to tie in their big vision or big idea to their end goal and then start working backwards. So for example, I've worked with artists before. They may want Mm -hmm. to start selling their work online. Maybe they've only been to art shows or, um, you know, on Etsy or something like that. But at the end, you know, what is that business goal fulfilling of selling online? You know, maybe reaching new audiences outside of their local area and then working backwards. So, you know, always start with a checklist, brain dump everything you think you need into a checklist. And even if you don't know where to start to make a checklist, then Google it, you know, new website checklist or something like that, then prioritize what you can do and start executing. So also remember as a creative, um, the the checklist can be executed over a period of time. Um, I know creatives can put a lot of pressure on themselves to get everything done in one day, but if you try to do that, you know, you'll get overwhelmed. Um, Yeah. And inversely, A strategic person can find creative solutions by getting out of their comfort zone, finding inspiration from outside of their bubble. Um, Artists and creatives are very good at that. um, And that's something that they can learn from from a creative. So, you know, whether that's seeing what competitors are doing and seeing how you do things differently or talking to their ideal customer in depth about the problems they're trying to solve. You know, the key is really to just get out of your comfort zone and kind of see how the chips fall. You know, and I'm wondering if something in our value systems that are imprinted upon us in ways that we don't consciously see have something to do with this. I'm thinking of a, you know, shall we say a lady friend I used to have who was an artist, uh, painting, sculpting, things like that. She had had her work featured in art competitions in Europe. She had sold a painting, I think, for $15,000 at one point. She was well on her way to becoming a legend in what she was doing. But her goal in life was to, she had two goals in life, one of which was to be a starving artist, and the other of which was to fund a no-kill cat shelter, which believe me, I'm all in for. (laughs) She did not want to pursue the art career and make money. She wanted to be a starving artist. So I had this interesting suggestion for her, and I said this with as much uh, flirtatiousness and uh, ebullience as I could. I suggested that 
she do the art, sell it for a ton of money, give it all to a cat shelter, and then just donate. Absolutely. She didn't. Um, she, she she didn't find that very funny. Um, and at the time, I I was some young guy. I did this is a while ago. I, I I didn't know nothing. But uh, but you know, thinking about that, I recognize when I when I reflect upon that every so often that there was something in her imprinting, something in her values, whether she could see it or not, that told her that she wasn't supposed to be organized or successful. That's tough. That's tough. It feels like you can, you know, lead a horse to water, but you can't get them to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Finding the right client who's ready for aligning their creativity with strategic um, thinking is, is part of my battle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. And, um, you know, we could uh, share war stories all day. I'll give you just one more. I had, uh, when I was in the web design business, I had a client referred to me um, who had uh, written their own copy for their website, which is great because one of my big challenges was these projects would get stalled at the design approval stage because it would go back and forth for three months. They would say, I paid you three months ago. When the hell is my damn website going to be up already? What did I pay you for? And I would then pull out and list all the dates in which I had asked for their copy and uh, and all the times that they said they would have it by such and such a date. And then there was no copy delivered to me and it would just go around and around and around. Finally, they would scribble something down, would put it up and there would be a mutual, basically a fuck you between the two of us. We never spoke again. And that's not a way to do business. I, I didn't enjoy that. And, uh, and it got me into uh, being able to create copy for websites, which is why part of my current program is we put the client through an exercise where we get the information we need for their podcast brand. And then we use that to write out the copy per our formula using what they gave us in a combination of the transfer from the conversation and what their title tagline and description say. Uh, With not even a single exception, our clients have gone right along with it. And usually they'll go through it and they'll say, I want to change this one little word here, or could we insert this one little thing that's important to my brand? And it's like, that's it. So the discovery that I slowly made is that people like to be led. Absolutely. And I'm, (laughs) and I've learned through that kind of experience as well, for sure. Um, I've had a web design project turn from an eight week project to over a year long and it is not ideal. No, no. And I, and I don't like things stuck on my board, which actually drives me to continuously make our podcast launch process even more and more efficient, streamlined and stepwise oriented with dependencies that trigger multiple actions. So if something does get stuck, like um, like let's say, for example, part of it is we design the logo for the podcast. If the process gets stuck with the logo, and it seems like it's just taking a really long time to get the client past that. I'll say, you know, I really want to get this logo done because we need this to get the website up, get your intro, outro, and commercial done, um, get you what you need for your promotional material. So this one thing is going to trigger three separate processes that are going to get your site launched faster. And usually that will ignite them to either get off the fence and make a decision 
or say, I really need a consultation on this because I'm just stuck with, I'm, I'm not sure why I can't approve this. And either way, we get it done. But it's just the fact that I have the process and I can explain why this barrier or or this little sticky wicket is actually slowing things down. What people ultimately want is their website up. Um, what they want is their podcast up. In your case, what they want is their Shopify store up so they're making money. Absolutely. And just having systems and processes in place for myself and having those for my client is something that I really strive to do so that nobody's stuck and everybody feels good about how to move forward. Yeah. And that's that's very important. Oh, to finish my story, uh, this uh, client had actually written their copy and I was oh so excited. And they sent me this copy and it was absolute garbage. And I said, well, you know, um, this and so I said, you know, this is this is really inspiring. I really, I really like this. Um, I uh, there's a couple things I'd like to run by you that I think will make this even better. She said, "No, don't change a word." That copy was created by the spirit that sent an energy beam down to me and took over my hand and had me write that on a notepad. And argue with that. Uh, and uh and when i asked this person where they got the idea to do their business they said well i ran it by a few friends of mine they all said it was a good idea now some of our listeners may be laughing at that because that is like the that is like the trope of why not to start a business but then she wanted on to explain that her circle of friends were on a plane of enlightenment that was so profound that just their thoughts were enough to create fundamental change in the world. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to respond to that. I, I'm curious to see how you did. Yeah, that didn't become a client. Smart move. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what I'm curious about, and this is something that uh, people ask me about when it comes to this topic is, uh, and this is, is a little bit beyond what we originally planned, is... Uh, you know, how do you, I, you know, what is your process for, whether it's a combination of qualifications or intuition, identify which clients are going to have the greatest chance of success and help them see that they are the clients who will be most successful with you when they make that commitment? It's all about asking the right questions at the discovery call, um, really honing in on what their goals are. Um, both for their business and what they can achieve through their website. I ask a lot of logistical things like, do you have copy? Do you have images? Do you have your logo and branding guide ready? Um, Because I learned just like you, the hard way of having to pull all of those things and wait um, for all of those products that you need to build a site. Um, And then also asking about their audience and um, their budget. I think the budget is probably the biggest hump to get over uh, because websites, like anyone can build a website, but for someone to build a great strategic website, you know, it's going to be an investment and it's going to be a stretch. So finding clients who understand that the quality that they're looking for may require them to stretch their dollars and stretch their faith that it'll get done 
um, is, you know, half the battle too. So if I feel like they're ready to make the stretch, they have all of the logistical things in place and, you know, our values align through how we interact with each other, then it'll be a good fit for me. Um, and then there are some red flags that I look for, especially, um, you know, not having anything ready, um, asking for discounts right off the bat. Uh, you know that the, the clients who are trying to get by with paying the least amount will also be the ones who ask the most of you. Yeah, isn't that funny? Like you see that meme, uh, $500 clients. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to invest in this. Please understand that we are placing our success and our future in your hands, and we really need this to be successful. $5,000 client. Payment sent. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so one of the, you know, toward the end of my um, career, shall we say, in web design, um, I had another one of those cases where the design part was easy, but then it was a matter of getting the client to cough up the coffee. Copy. Now, this was a client who actually understood that they were responsible for the copy and didn't try and creatively reinterpret the agreement, which had a specific bullet point that said all copy is responsibility of clients. And after about four go-arounds, I um, uh, and his latest uh, musings about his overall disappointment in the whole process, I replied to one of his emails, and I just typed 2,500. And he replied, said, 2500 what? And I said, for $2,500 uh, and you overnighting me your book and sending me the list of the following things, which I know you have, I'll write your copy for you and I'll get it done in three days. <laughs> and, uh, he, and he replied back in turn, he said, charge my card, let's go. Awesome. Yeah. So what I learned from that is that, uh, again, people like to be led. And sometimes, and I want to get your thoughts on this. In order for them to truly appreciate the value of what you offer, they have to be frustrated by it. Yes. The problem really has to agitate them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to shift gears here for a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's not too often I get to speak with somebody who actually does work in e-commerce, like in such a way where people make real money off of it. So I want to, um, I want to ask, uh, you know, about this whole Shopify thing. I'm going to ask a very broad question. How do you make money with that? There is several ways to make money, um, you know, through Shopify, the platform, uh, you can have some sort of referrals for building new websites. Uh, uh -huh. There are affiliates uh, who um, just help with the, the point of sale. Shopify also has a point of sale system um, where you can uh, add a bonus to your income from that. But mostly it is by building websites on the Shopify platform, but charging the customer. So I'm not paid by Shopify. I am paid by my clients. Uh, oh, I, I, I understand that. So let me phrase it a different way um let's let's have some fun here uh i need i need a new stream of revenue so mm -hmm. what can i sell oh man <laughs> let's let, let's have let's have some fun here and uh let's have you uh, let's have you uh grill me a little bit and uh see if you can get me intrigued by this 
So that's that's my question. Uh, hey, I, I want a new stream of revenue. I want at least part of what I do to be passive. Uh, I understand with my launcher podcast, Fast Business, that I do have a team that supports me on that, but there is an hours for dollars thing because it is my brainchild and it was designed as that type of badass offer. So I'm never going to completely outsource that. I'm going to have to put in some work there. But uh, along with that, I'd like to have some businesses where really, really all I do is take the checks. So what do I do? Ooh, there are a lot of drop shipping. Um, if you want to sell a physical product, there's a lot of people out there who will make it for you, uh, house it for you, ship it for you, and then you collect off of the, the drop shipping. Um, but if you are selling digital products, courses, um, you know, PDF checklists, um, you can sell digital products as well. You know what? There are people who can sell music and rights to their music and lyrics online too. Um, so basically, if you want to add it to a cart and check out, um, you can sell it on Shopify. I think the only exceptions are, you know, animals, <laughs> any sort of like medical yeah, we're, devices. Yeah, yeah, my, 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 like my, uh, my uh, pot... Yeah, my podcast production coordinator, Princess Stella Juliana, is not about selling cats online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, um, physical products like drop shipping, uh, like, 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 what, what kind, like, what, what, what should I do here? I'm kind of a blank slate. How, how do I, how do I find something that I could be good at? Um, if you are good at drawing or creating graphics, you can stick that on mugs, t-shirts, art prints, things like on merchandise, um, and then have that shipped to people who are interested in it. If you have a great like t-shirt idea, um, then you can put whatever you want, um, almost whatever you want on a t-shirt. Um, and then, you know, somebody else will make it for you and ship it for you and it will be branded as yours. And, you know, you'll get that, that income as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's still kind of broad here. Uh, how do, how do I find people to buy it? Well, you got to create your own audience. There's so much power in social media, friends and family, getting press, getting on podcasts. Um, yeah. you, you have to create your own audience. But, you know, with a Shopify website, uh, it is a great hub for them to land on based off of wherever you refer them to um, or you refer them from. And you can learn a whole lot more about a brand and, you know, building that relationship with a customer through a website than I think any other kind of platform. And it's all yours. You own it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like six years ago, I had this idea uh, and I only got part of the way with it because I just got emotionally drained by it. I went on Twitter and created an alt account, uh, basically, um, basically um, an anonymous account that was, um, shall we say, uh, politically conservative in nature. And I built it up to about 6,000 followers just by uh, going on there and doing a combination of shit posting and, uh, and uh, you know, go team and stuff like that. And uh, the next step was 
is I was going to create another Twitter account of the leftist persuasion, do the same thing with it, have them battle with each other, and have them both sell merchandise. But that whole topic just eventually got me to the point where I just emotionally didn't want to deal with it anymore. But that's an idea I had, where I was actually going to get two separate separate e-commerce stores to fight each other. <laughs> that would have been an interesting um, thing to play out. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I just, uh, I just ran out of gas on it. So I, uh, I kind of stopped about a third of the way there, but uh, I think, but I think that might be, you know, one thing to consider when building an audience, particularly if you don't have the funds to buy the audience. I mean, I did that all organically. The, the, uh, the, the, the anon account I created um, on the right side, it still exists. I haven't, I haven't used it in years, but it still exists. Uh, the last time I checked, I think it had something like 5,500 followers or something like that. It was, uh, and it was getting uh, listed on follow chains and, uh, and it got uh, all kinds of retweets and quote tweets. I really had that thing up and running pretty good. And then I just got drained by it. I can see why. Could you have picked something a little bit easier? <laughs> I had to make a decision is uh, that I really want to spend a lot of time in this as a business, and I didn't. That's true. Again, your values. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, so now let's uh, you know get back a little bit to uh, some of you know, what we were sharing here. So basically what you're saying is if I were to want to start a store like this, I could think of a physical product and build an audience around it. And uh, before we before we go back to another subject here, uh, as far as digital products, uh, really a create Photoshop and Canva. And I know how, you, how to use PowerPoint as one of those platforms. And I have the um, level of creativity that you need to create landing pages, essentially. But, uh, you know, our team does have a professional graphic designer for the logos for the podcast and things like that. And, uh, and you know, there are, you know, I just don't have that type of creativity. But uh, in terms of, say, I mean, do people use Shopify to sell things like information and educational products? Is that part of it? Absolutely. Um, I think you can uh, integrate either like Teachable or another, you know, teaching platform into your Shopify store so that when you sell on your um, Shopify store, it directs them to the whole back end of your your course, your digital course. It is oh, okay for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Shopify is a platform that has a lot of uh, rank authority and a lot of reach. So I'm just thinking of that as a, as a possible outlet. What about things like books uh, and those types of things? So do you see people selling their books on Shopify? Yeah, you can do, um, you know, eBooks, uh, you can do PDFs. Um, you can also do, I'm not quite sure, but audiobooks um, may be an option as well. So lots of different things. Yeah. Now, what about uh, services? Let me give you a couple examples. Like, for example, the things that people go to Fiverr for is if they need somebody to write their blog articles for them, because that's something that a lot of people 
MySpace, just don't get time, just don't have time to do. So, uh, and what we're also seeing now is with the rise of artificial intelligence, that industry is shifting away from the person who uh, simply just uh, is willing to write good and write cheap and base it on a, on a, on a keyword strategy. And it's pivoting toward them using artificial intelligence combined with validation tools to make the content natural. And that's something that uh, we're seeing more and more people go to Fiverr for. Then there's still a thing about, you know, creating graphics, uh, creating, uh, you know, you know, promo reels, uh, shorts, uh, things along those lines. Have you seen anybody use Shopify as a platform for that? Because one of the one of the challenges that I hear from people is they don't want to use Fiverr as an outlet because Fiverr takes 20%. I understand. And if it depends on how they're willing to execute the sale. So, and how their customers are willing to execute the sale. So if they're willing to pay up front and add to cart, then yes, you can sell like a logo on Shopify. Um, you can also, you know, to keep going with logos and branding, you can add kind of like a proof feature where um, when you buy something, the the business has the ability to send a proof and the buyer has the ability to approve the proof or uh-huh. provide feedback and changes through Shopify. Um, and so that is... Um, an option, but it really just depends on how you want to sell. And it is, if you're comfortable with adding to cart and pressing checkout, then you're more likely to succeed um, in your service-based business. Right. The, re- the, right. the reason I'm thinking this is um, uh, I'm not going to say exactly what the industry is, but it is related to podcasting. And it's actually something where I have a team of people who do this. Okay, it's voiceovers. Um, so uh, voiceovers is another thing, whether you're narrating podcast intros and outros, whether you're narrating audiobooks, for example. Uh, one, of the, you know, one of the things we're developing here is a, um, is a representation agency for voicemail, or excuse me, for voiceover artists. Uh, I found that particularly with these economic situations, pretty much anybody with a good microphone or willingness to spend $200 on a good microphone and have a quiet room is willing to do the work to become a good voiceover artist. And I think that there's a lot of potential there. So, I mean, and uh, I mean, I mean, I could, I mean, I certainly could put up a website on that. I have, uh, I have so many systems in place. I can make a landing a page, a landing page appear in three hours from the time that I first get the idea. That's that, that's how organized my business is. Uh, but I'm also thinking in terms of, uh, you know, then it's entirely up to me to do audience building. And with Shopify, if I could build a division of it there or an outlet for it there, I'm just wondering if that would be possible. Yeah. So when you add something to cart, you can also create kind of unlimited product options. So if you want to do a voiceover, you know, you could have variants be how long, how many words and um, things like that, where you can add a range to it. You could also um, have people upload files. So if they send you the script and upload the script, then you'd already have it um, with you as part of your process. So it's, yeah. it's definitely doable. 
Right, because with our voiceover artists, basically what I do is I is um, you know I write the script and then I send it to them along with any um, peculiarities peculiarities that the client is looking for and a reminder of the standards we have for our voice voiceover narrations. Because my process also includes that we say things certain ways and we do things in a certain order because it's our signature. So uh, I would like to be able to do that as well. So Fiverr takes twenty percent. What does Shopify take? Shopify takes a monthly subscription and credit card processing fees. If you add, okay. yeah, if you add any apps, um, which is additional functionality for your website that's outside of the organic Shopify platform, um, those vary depending on if it's a one-time fee or a monthly fee or how many people use it or how many times you use it as a business. So, um, you know, if you're really adding a lot of functionality, that price could vary also right right okay so there's no flat percentage fee okay all right so let's get back to a few other things we want to make sure we cover before our time is up here is um you know we discussed the balance between creativity and strategy and how to be somebody who tends toward one and be able to acquire the other all of which is great uh everybody subscribe to this go back and listen to this again it's all there uh so this is a this is an intriguing question because I have my own thoughts on this, which I'm actually not going to share. I'm just going to leave this to you. But what role does branding play in strategy and creativity? Oh, branding. Um, branding is really showing your audience who you are. It really helps guide how you present yourself visually and in writing. It's the foundation of um, you know your outward persona and how you really connect to your audience. So it's important to stay consistent in your branding um, so there's no confusion as to who you are as a business. And more and more consumers are really buying from companies based on whether they feel aligned to that brand. So um, having a strong brand and being consistent on all fronts is really crucial to not confusing your customers. And, And that's where the strategy is, is how do you maintain that consistency in visual and in writing. Okay. So what is Michelle's definition of a brand? (laughs) A definition of a brand um, is who the audience thinks you are. Okay. Um, And so that's just really the combination of, of the visual things that they see and the, and what they read and um, about you. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, it's a a huge um, umbrella. um, Yeah. Everything plays into this feeling that the audience gets about you. Yeah. And uh, and I know in my line of work, uh, particularly when it comes to corporate writing, I found that uh, and I've tested this time and time again. I've seen companies that want to, for example, have their blog be in the name of the so-and-so writing team or something like that. And I'm thinking this is going to be about as engaging as a stale pancake. (laughs) But, 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 But when you assign a human figurehead to it, even... If by doing that, you just simply do one of two things, you um, have everything go out under the business owner's byline, or you identify somebody 
as the thought leader for that business and have everything go out under their byline, regardless of who writes it. And I'm also seeing more and more companies that will hire professional staff writers and will actually give them the title staff writer. So when you go to check that person out on LinkedIn, you find out that they're a professional writer and they have 25 different clients that they all list as their current employers. But as long as the content's good, Mm-hmm. That 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 kind of that kind of makes up for some of the credentials. Uh, a challenge I see in content curation sometimes is when people are looking for external information to include in their newsletters, uh, refeature in their blogs, uh, referencing their podcasts, and things of that ilk. That they're looking for somebody who has a very specific set of credentials, and then they end up passing up on a lot of really good stuff simply because somebody doesn't have the degree or they haven't done A, B, or C. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's all very saddening. So the idea of a human figurehead, I think, has a lot to do with it. Now, what role does data play in creativity? Um, I think data really helps guide what you do next. It shows you what's working, what's not, and you know what may be the factors that contribute to your successes or failures. So, like for example, I have a fashion and apparel client who, after seeing data every month, um, she makes smarter decisions about which products to choose and sell, um, where to direct her audience, um, what kind of pages, like do they land on collection pages and stay on their website longer, buy more, or do they land on product pages and click away, um, things like that. So it really tells stories about where you are and where your clients are in their customer journey. Right, 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 right. I, I can, I can, I can see that. So, uh, going back to what we were discussing earlier, in a way, uh, you know, what have you found is most effective in ensuring that the websites that your company creates are not only visually appealing, but also serve as effective business tools. Um, so back to values and goals, it, we really start there um, with who the business is. So that's where the branding comes in um, visually and understanding their audience. What are their pain points? What are their problems? How do you deep dive into their customer personas and kind of build around that? So you really start with who the business is, who the customer is and then work your way out from there. Because a website can really do so much more than sell. It is a business tool for, for both the business and the customer. Mm-hmm. And, and for the most part, businesses know that. So whether you are trying to diversify your revenue streams, um, can your business um, start selling wholesale? Can it start drop shipping? And is there a process to do that? And when the customer tries to achieve those things, um, does it look good? So it really is about the problem first and then making the solution really pretty after that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of pretty, there, there's a story that I wasn't going to share here, but I'm going to. Um, uh, you remember I mentioned uh, the proper hex code of purple? Well, uh, in my web design days, uh, we had a client where uh, they had already done their branding, so to speak, which which means they had somebody else create the logo and they had their color swatches and every other damn thing. Uh, so I'm thinking, cool, that's less work for us. Give me your swatches. Give me your logo. Let's let's do this. So when they got the site back from us, 
they insisted that we did it all wrong, that it wasn't the correct shade of purple. So just stay with me. You'll 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 you probably might already be anticipating where I'm going with this. I showed them through Camtasia video on uh, I showed them I pulled up their CSS file by going into view source and demonstrated that it was the exact hex code of purple that they had given us. I also then used Photoshop to do a sample of that color to illustrate it was the color that they were looking for, compared it to the color swatch they gave me right on the screen to show them that it was the exact same shade. They insisted that I didn't know what I was talking about. They even went so far as to hire another consultant to review it. And they even said to me, I brought somebody in to show you how to do this. Well, they paid somebody else to tell them that I was right. Oh no! <laughs> All why? right. Why? Yeah. So, um, so uh, I, I, so I, I, at this point, I had already had a suspicion of what was going on, but now I knew it. So, turns out, I was friends with their business partner. So I said to the, so um, actually, I need to back up. So I, so I suggested to the client that maybe they need to check their monitor settings. Maybe there was something about the way their monitor was lit up or something like that that was causing them to see something different than they were expecting. They insisted their monitor was fine that I didn't know. And again, I didn't know what I was talking about. They had already spent money trying to prove I didn't know what I was talking about, only to be told that I was right. Uh, so I, I, I was friends with their business partner. And I said, hey, um, you guys work in the same office. Yeah. Okay. So when they go out to lunch, could you go to their monitor and make this change to its settings and they did lo and behold about 1 30 that afternoon got an email from the client says i don't know what you did but i'm glad you finally got the shade of purple right we can go live with this <laughs> that's a lot of money for a monitor I did. I I I I did say I told you so because I earned it. <laughs> I would too. Yeah, yeah. But um, the reason I bring this up is when people think of appealing design and things along that along those lines. Uh, what we have to for also remember is I think this is very important that how you perceive things and how your audience may perceive things are different so what was left unanswered in that entire conversation is did this person's audience care about the shade of purple i mean would that really have attracted more people and i don't know the answer to that or would it have attracted more people for the website to be up and i don't know the answer to that either but i think when we come when we come to branding and relationships that's something very important to keep in mind is that how we perceive it may not be how the market perceives it and vice versa Absolutely. Yeah. So how do we make that? How do we make that jump? Uh, you really talk to your audience. You tell them, you know, what you're trying to achieve and see what they, if the audience perceives it that way or, or better yet, just ask the audience without prompting them anything. Um, you know, how does XYZ business make you feel? Um, and then, you know, part of your branding is kind of like the five words you would use to describe your business. And, you know, if you ask the audience the same thing, use five words to describe my business, my company, my brand, do they come up with the same 
words? Are they in the ballpark? And if they're not in the ballpark, then you just kind of have to backwards engineer it to see where you went wrong. And that is a big tasking. So, um, you know, getting your branding right from the start is so important. Right, right. So, uh, so just a couple more things before we wrap up here. Uh, what, what do you have to say about the mindset that's going to be needed to bring all this together, the creativity, the strategy, the relationships, the connections? The mindset is knowing that you can't do it all. Um, you know, you find people who have strengths where you don't, and that's where you can work together to achieve a common goal and, and know what your values are. You know, we've talked about values a lot um, today, but you really know what your values are and stick to them so that when you do find somebody, um, it's somebody who will compliment you and somebody whose values align so that working together is more a pleasant experience because you know what happens when it's not, <laughs> you know, there's not a foundation there to make that kind of relationship work. So you got to start all over, find somebody new if your values don't align. Right, right, right. And so overall, uh, what advice, and uh, I know you have an, I know you have an invitation for our audience. I'm going to share that on your behalf in just a moment. Uh, but in general, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who really want to excel at all this, putting all this stuff together? Um, really be self-aware. Uh, self-awareness helps weed out all of the noise of what you should and you shouldn't do. And that's where you will excel. You will know where you are more creative. You will know where you are more strategic. And knowing what gaps there are in the middle is just the the beginning. So self-awareness is really key to combining creativity and a business strategy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here we go. Um, this is for our audience, and I strongly encourage you to check this out. Uh, if you like what you've heard from Michelle so far, uh, she's got a wealth of knowledge and experience. Go ahead and sign up for her list. Uh, you'll get more of this actionable e-commerce stuff. Uh, it'll keep you up to date with some of the marketing news and trends because this is a very varying industry. Uh, trends come up, uh, things happen. You want to be on top of that. And she also shares uh, even more of her candid insights on some of the highs and lows of running a small woman-owned business. So uh, these are real simple three to four-minute reads. I like short. That's great. And uh, you'll get them twice a month. So to get that, you're going to go to fourtabsdesign.com forward slash subscribe. That's four, the, the word for, four, F-O-U-R, tabsdesign.com forward slash subscribe. You know, you could also just go to my website and scroll down to the write-up and you'll see it there. But I thought I'd read it off to you three times just so you have it. And uh, just a final question for you. Uh, your your website is fourtabsdesign.com. I'm just curious where you came up with that name. <laughs> um, I always have, you know, both four tabs open in my brain and at least four tabs open on my browser at all times. So that's where it comes from. Um, just trying to balance all things, motherhood, career, 
self and, and fitness and also, um, you know, everything on my um, browser is something about my business, my customer, Shopify, um, at least, and my email. So always four tabs open at one time. Oh, okay. I kind of, I kind of was guessing it might be something along those lines. I didn't know if it referred to you having that in your brain on your browser, or maybe this was something about the science behind your design for your client Shopify websites, that there would be four tabs or four options or something like that. You, you nailed it. Four tabs in my brain. <laughs> All right. Four tabs on my browser. Okay. All right. So, uh, Michelle, Zach, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been an honor and believe me in education. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Adam. This is so much fun. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.